Welcome to Five Cats, Two Pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And this is episode 40. The big 4 40. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> we're, I think we're officially a podcast, but also officially old. Are we a middle-aged podcast yet? Yeah, I'd say middle-aged. That sounds about right. <laughs> With our whopping 40 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> So if you listened uh, to last week's episode, we talked about the Lenormand deck, and Lindsay um, did point out we have not talked about tarot yet, and I mentioned I've been procrastinating. So here we are, episode 40. We're going to do a very light intro, and tarot 101, because there's so much we could talk about. We could do five whole episodes and still not cover everything that there is to talk about tarot. But... I think it's important that we touch on it, so we'll do a, we'll do Tarot 101 for you. Totally, dude. It's going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be tarot-fying. No. But before we get into the cards and the history and what they have to say and all those fun things, Lindsay, how was your week? I feel like I saw you a bunch this week. Honestly, I don't really remember much <laughs> of the week. It was good, all in all. I played some video games. I started playing Fable 2, which I like a lot better so far than Fable 1. That's my favorite. Is it? Yeah. It's the best one. I really one. like it. I it's really the best like one. It's the best one, for sure. Is it? I yeah. really like that there's a dog that follows me around sniffing out treasure. <laughs> that's, yeah, I feel like that's everything that you like in a role-playing game. Animal companion <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Do you have a yes. sweet nickname in this game yet? Uh, no, they're still calling me Sparrow. I'm still pretty early on in. I think that Sparrow might just be my name. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't remember either. I played it, but it was years and years ago. Uh, well, you'll have to keep us updated if you get like a sweet moniker. Yeah, I will. It's not going to be Chicken Chaser. I can tell you that. <laughs> it is, that is one of the options from the dude who sells nicknames. No way. <laughs> no Chicken Chaser. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we played D&D yesterday. And that we was did. an awesome sort of ending to the week. For yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was nice. We we socially distanced in the backyard, so everybody maintaining their own little table and hanging out in the fresh open air, but Engineer Dan has started a brand new campaign for us, so that was that was fun and exciting. Yeah, super fun. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I'm pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> We're such a bunch of nerds. <laughs> uh, other big news this week. So uh, our our big red radio studio house has has one fewer roommates now. So our studio and apartment just sort of split into two levels. And our upstairs neighbor, after many years, almost two decades of living in this house, has moved out. And part of that moving out process, he gifted us a brand new cat tree. 
he bought this monstrosity of a cat tree for his two cats who did not like it, did not use it. The thing is brand new. And he cleaned it all up for us. We got rid of our old tower, which we had like adjusted and retightened several times. And now Kenway and Django are losing their shit. They, they had to do like the sniff all over first. As you, I think you have to do with any new piece of furniture that comes into a house, but they've they've really enjoyed the fact that this one has two platforms at the top. It's much bigger than our old cat tree, and so they could, if they desired, both be the kings of the castle, and not just one. I bet they both think that they're the kings of the castle. A hundred percent. I mean, that's Kenway <laughs> immediately is like just going to sit up there and Batman the shit out of it. I have seen Django <laughs> up there a couple of times and he seems really anxious. <laughs> like, Aww. like it's too high or he's going to fall off or maybe that's just me looking at the size of him. <laughs> but, <laughs> But they've been they've been back to the zoomies because it's been nice and cool this week comparatively, and uh, this one also has toys that hang off of it. So they've been running around, running all through the tree, and playing with the toys that hang off of it. And Django has also introduced his favorite toys to the tree. I've woken up a couple of times where he's got. A uh, purple sock hanging from his mouth on the top. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's got, it, like, on the platform you're sitting on, there is a mouse <laughs> tied to it. <laughs> and you've brought a new toy. Okay. Or yesterday he had his green mouse and was um, sleeping on top of it on the, like, in the, in, in the cat tree itself. So he had brought his toy up there so he could drag in the fuck out of it. It was super cute. Oh, that is really so, cute. There, but he doesn't he doesn't like it when we watch him play because the cat tree's in the bedroom. So uh, we'll like be laying in bed and around six in the morning is when he really wants to play. And he doesn't like it if we look at him. If we don't look at him, he'll just keep playing. But the minute we both like like raise our heads to look at him, he's like, oh, no, they caught me. Run away. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a goober. <laughs> he is so silly. <laughs> Super cute. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's been the, the big news this week. Next week, poor Django gets to go to the vet. Or, I guess, th- next week, this week. When this episode drops, Django will be going to the vet. And I'm... We'll, we'll see how that goes. I can't wait to tell you all about that. <laughs> yeah, that should be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I think... I, I think... It takes me 20 minutes to catch him and put him in a crate. Wow. I think that's probably under. <laughs> I'm going to have to trap him in a oh. really small room. <laughs> <laughs> trap him in the bathroom while he's pooping. He's a sweet boy. He just has a very strict don't touch me policy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't touch me. Don't corner me. Don't chase me. <laughs> I've tried to catch him in the bathroom once, and he got himself stuck behind the toilet. So, <laughs> oh. it's a shitty place to get stuck. Oh, more butts! Oh. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I I hope you wish us all luck on that. You won't uh, you won't hear this episode until he's you know more or less on his way to this happening to him, but. 
you know, in the future, if you've got you know, suggestions or ideas on like how to catch a cat, I am all ears because this is going to be a wild ride. <laughs> we're both going <laughs> to, I feel like we're both going to be much worse people for it. <laughs> but if you want to, if you want to let us know how you catch your cat, what works for you, tips or tricks, uh, certainly drop us a line at 5C2P pod, Instagram or Gmail. We check both. We will like, respond, reply, share, whatever is necessary. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Lindsay. You know what we should do before we start talking about tarot? Mmm, I got a pretty good idea. I think you know what I'm thinking. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking (laughs) we light our ritual candle. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) You know, on on that note, I still... Still cannot find any matches. Like I don't, I, I don't want just like a book of matches that I get at the liquor store. Like I want like a box of nice matches. And yeah, no, I, I don't know. I still, I, I have not looked on Amazon, and I've purposefully not looked on Amazon because I'm trying to not buy as many things from them. But mm-hmm. and I feel like matches, like a nice box of matches, is something that I should be able to order online from like a cute little shop but turns out i don't know maybe it's because you can't mail them i don't know i don't know what the deal is with matches but maybe yeah yeah so we're still on the lighter still on our little bottle candle here we go (laughs) i'm surprised i mean yeah maybe maybe you can't mail them i mean they ask if it's flammable at the post office yeah oh Huh. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Yeah. I would imagine, like, if you could mail them, that somebody on Etsy would sell them. Right? That's what I thought. And, yeah, I have not been able to successfully order any matches. Now, I guess it has been a couple of weeks since I looked. Maybe there's some sort of big match shortage. Uh, But, yeah. I don't know. (laughs) If you've got some nice, long, wooden matches and you want to just, you know... Drop them off in my mailbox. <laughs> I'm the only giant red house in Somerville, Massachusetts. Come find me. <laughs> cool. Sweet. Well, our candle is lit and burning lovely, lovely, beautifully. <laughs> lovely. Lovely. Um, why don't we take take a little break, and we'll come right back to talk all about tarot. I'm, like, kind of yeah. nervous. <laughs> I've been putting this one off for don't so long. <laughs> Sweet. Don't be nervous. It's going to be break. We'll <laughs> see you in a sec, witches. Right. We're going to talk about tarot. <laughs> and yeah. I think we can preface this in case you are wondering. This is like this is our 
intro to tarot. There is so much to cover with tarot between the history and the types of decks and the types of spreads and the types of cards and modern versus traditional and each like card suit and all of those things. So we're really going to take a like 10,000 foot view on this one, give a little intro to tarot for our listeners who maybe, maybe you've had your tarot read before, or maybe you're like, maybe you're like my mom and you're like, my daughter reads fortunes and cards. That's weird. And I don't understand it. And, you know, this will give a little bit of an intro to what it's all about. Yeah, man, totally. So I know, Lindsay, you've done a bunch of reading this week on the history. And I know a little bit about the history of tarot. But I've, I think I've strayed away from this topic because I've been really nervous about not doing it justice and knowing that it's such an important thing. And it's an important thing to me in my practice. But it's... You know, it's a, it is a rich history and it is a like long lived tool for fortune telling and intuition and has gotten sort of intertwined with witchcraft. But I'm not even sure that, you know, tarot and witchcraft, I think, are like two separate things. And so I wanted to explore that a little bit vicariously through you and your reading. <laughs> yeah, man, I did do a lot of reading. And and you know how it is reading on the internet. There's a whole bunch of things that contradict each other. So <laughs> you kind of know what's going on, but you don't totally know what's going on. You get a general idea. So, yeah, you get a general idea. So I wrote down a, a very abridged version of the history of tarot and some parts may be more accurate than others, but I did go through several sources. So I feel like this is probably as accurate as I can get it. So let's start in like the late 14th and 15th centuries in Italy. Uh, there was this game called tar Taroki, Taroki, which is what uh, the French translation uh, translated to tarot. Eventually, took a while, but eventually tarot comes from Taroki. And it was this card game that was pretty similar to bridge in where there's like a suit that trumps all of the other suits and you like everybody throws down a card and you're, you're, you're taking tricks and you're trying to get everybody's cards, basically. Oh, okay, cool. I had no, I knew it was Italian originally, but I didn't know that the original card game was like bridge, which... I d don't really play. I've played a couple of times with like my grandmother at camp kind of thing. Yeah. Like uh, spades is another game that's, you know, kind of, you know, similar sort of gist to it. So eventually because these games were so popular, somebody decided to make a deck with a fifth suit. And this was a suit, uh, a Trump suit or a triumph suit for a game called Carta da Triomphi. And this Trump suit had 22 cards. The first deck that we know of was commissioned by this dude. He was the Duke of Milan. His name was Filippo Maria Visconti. And this happened around like 1420. And it was painted by this artist, Michelino de, da de Souza. These guys have the best names. I know, they're so hard to pronounce, so. <laughs> I'm like, bleh, bleh, bleh. <laughs> Anyway. So, so Dookie Poo 
like decides he wants this deck. He's really big into cards, and he has this dude Michelino paint it for him. And then he has his scholar and astrologer. This guy had a, his own scholar and astrologer. I love called it. Maurizio da Tar- Tortuna. It's the same person, to like like the scholar and astrologer. Like the, he does both. It's not a scholar yeah. and an astrologer. Yeah, no, it's the same dude. Michele- or no, sorry, no, Maurizio was the scholar and astrologer. So he he like actually wrote the game. He devised this game based on this other game called Virtues and Temptations, and mm-hmm. he wrote a book to describe their their cards and, and their significance. So that's the first known one, but it it's it it doesn't live anymore. It's gone, like lost to the times. Oh, it's so sad. Back to Dookie Poo, though. <laughs> he he loved cards. He he loved cards so much, and he had a whole bunch of decks made. Actually, uh, most of the decks that he had made were made by this guy Bonifacio Bembo, who was his favorite artist and there are actually decks surviving today that he painted for dookie that's awesome uh do you recall where you could like go to see those i'm guessing they must be like online somewhere they're they're in a museum somewhere i'm not i didn't remember the actual museum i didn't write that down but if you google like bonifacio bembo Tarot. <laughs> I'm sure that you can. Five. I'm sure that you can find it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's yeah. that's awesome. I mean, I love that that these cards were not only captured and saved, f- probably for their historical significance, but also likely their like their artwork and that it was a like it was a cultural game. And I I don't know. I love that part of anthropology where you know these artifacts from from the from dookie poo's everyday life uh just sort of make it into a museum he's a rich dude he's a rich nerd he's a rich dude that likes board games essentially yeah i mean i I imagine that there wasn't a whole lot to do that was very exciting in 1420 (laughs) Um, i guess it seems like you know games were where it's at that's cool i get it i like playing games too man shit (laughs) but these trump cards right so the trump cards were something new like playing cards had been around for a while but trump cards were something new and by the late 15th century the deck that he had made with those 22 trump cards they eventually settled into the structure that we see today in tarot with the uh 22 trump cards with which are the major arcana in tarot okay and the rest of the deck, which was four suits with 14 cards each, the minor arcana in tarot today, uh, equaling 78 cards. Awesome. But it wasn't until like the 18th century that there was any real evidence of cards being used for divination. They probably were a little bit before then, but it didn't really get popular and people didn't really start talking about it until the late 1700s. And that was around the same time as the, uh, was that around the same time as the Lenormand deck as well? Where that was... It was around the same time that the Lenormand deck was created, yeah. but but I believe using the Lenormand deck for divination came much after that. Um, it was around the time that the Piquet 
deck was used for divination in France. So I feel like there was I think that, a whole uh, like spiritual movement sort of in the mm-hmm. in the seventeen hundreds and and then again around sort of the uh, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, and now again uh, at the moment kind of thing. It's, it's these little like one hundred year pockets. Yeah, definitely for sure. In 1781, this guy, Antoine Court de Jebelin, he published an essay on tarot. He was like one of the one of the dudes who like got really into divination around this time, and he claimed that it was invented in ancient Egypt. Oh, so he like he assigned uh, like Hebrew alphabet letters to the cards, which oh, I can't even like remember if I can if they're still on cards today, maybe they might be, they might be on some cards. Then there was this other dude, Jean Baptiste Alliette, who, who also believed that they came from ancient Egypt. He was really big into tarot. He had like a tarot school. He taught people. Uh, he did classes. He did like mail correspondence for like teaching people. And he designed one of the first decks to use specifically for divination, oh, cool. which was eventually referred to as the Egyptian tarot. And the card meanings eventually influenced uh, English occultists like A.E. Waite and S.L. McGregor Mathers, who were members of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, and who one of them eventually ended up co-formulating the Rider Waite Tarot. Oh, cool. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Order, Order of the Golden Dawn is my favorite occult organization. Someday we'll talk about them, too. But it took us 40 episodes to get to tarot, so, you know, maybe around 150. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, totally. It's quite... If you, and if you get more into it, if you read more about the history, there's a lot more that goes in between that. But that's basically history in a, in a nutshell, a very small nutshell, for sure. So it starts as, uh, as a card game with a rich Italian duke who then adds mm-hmm. some really cool art to it because he wants his game to look fancier than everyone else's. And then at a certain point, people are like, oh, but you can also do, like, what if we knew our horoscopes with the cards, <laughs> basically? <laughs> and yeah. and started assigning those meanings. He got his astrologer to write, sorry, his scholar and astrologer, to write a really dope book about it, put it all together. And then some other people down the line were like, hey, also these cards, and also we prefer Egyptian mythology to your random Italian pseudoscience. And (laughs) and people just sort of started adding their own influences. (laughs) I mean, there's like, there's totally other stuff in between, like, oh, totally. And, um, Doogie Poo and the guys in the 1700s, basically, like uh, the Tarot de Marseille was in, was invented in between those times. Oh, right. Yes. A little yep. bit different. But yeah, there were like there were other decks in between. So, yeah, it, there is a long, rich history of tarot. I love it. And there are even like today, there are uh, very traditional decks that you can get and decks that are very much modernized. And even I think some of those traditional decks that we would consider now traditional are, 
you know, a redo of a redo of a redo inspired by <laughs> these original decks kind of thing. Because I know one thing, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, uh, choosing a deck, but one of the things that, you know, when I'm looking at cards, it's, you know, what are they based on? Because you've got a couple of different sort of schools of tarot at this point where you've got the uh, the the sort of traditional most popular um, or most common base is the Rider Weight deck, and then um, you've got the deck de Marseille, which is a little bit more has been described to me as more for intermediate users. Uh, it's a little bit more complicated. Uh, there's a, like more I, I like more meanings or more subtlety there to discern, and then maybe based off you were saying there was a whole group that was really interested in Egyptology and um, using uh, you know Hebrew influences, and there's the deck based around I believe it's pronounced uh, Toth, but I could be mispronouncing that. It's T H O T H O T. No, T-H-O-T-H, Thoth. And that uses a lot of influences from, as you said, from Egyptology and from the Kabbalah as well. A lot of the symbols on the cards are different. And then you take all of that and you also add, you know, modern witchcraft to it and those influences. Or you add, you know, like the, honestly, the influence of Oracle decks, which are sort of a spinoff, I think. We'll talk about those some other point in time too. But yeah, there's a lot of different types of decks. And I love that it all started with a rich duke and his astrologer scholar. Yeah, totally, dude. It's it's really interesting. There's some stuff from even before the rich Italian Duke where some people think that it, you know, comes from someplace else, uh, Middle East, I believe. But that was a little convoluted. So I just I didn't I was like, we're just going to start in Italy. <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah. like I encourage anybody to like really look it up and get into it. There's a ton of information on the Internet, a ton. But yeah, really cool. That's that's I find that super fascinating and and I like that like a lot of games or a lot of things that are culturally significant, you know, it's obviously it starts with somebody's idea somewhere, but almost no creative ideas are one hundred percent brand new. They're all influenced by something that you've seen, read, heard of, participated in, and your experience with it. And I like that tarot has evolved and been influenced over you know, over centuries to get to where we are now. Absolutely. So absolutely. I know you mentioned you have a deck that is by, I suppose, today's standards, pretty old. Uh, you've had a deck for a while and it, it, if I'm not mistaken, yours is like an out of print deck. Uh, that's to me, like that's how old it is, uh, where they're you know making <laughs> where people are making designing and printing their own decks all the time. I mean, if we really wanted to, we could make a five C two P tarot deck with our own art and influences and significance to the cards and our own twist and spin on things. But I'm kind of curious, uh, you know, to revisit your deck a little bit, uh, you know, and just. To highlight, I guess, a little bit the differences of, you know, the different decks that are out there and, and the one that's special to you. Yeah, dude, totally. The first, the very first tarot deck I got, I got in the 90s. And it's out of print now. There is a new version of it, but it's called the Mythic Tarot. So there is a, a new Mythic Tarot now, which based on reviews is a little bit different. 
Uh, and I didn't buy this deck for any particular reason other than I saw it at like probably a Barnes and Noble or something like that and was like, oh, cool, tarot cards. I'm going to get that. So, yeah, it was probably, I'm guessing like 1998, 1999 was when I got it. And I used it for a little while while I was still um, interested in like getting to know tarot and before I decided that it was just too much stuff to remember <laughs> but it's still a cool deck and I still have it it came with a little book it's uh like like you mentioned it is out of print now this particular one but you can still find it online it's a little more expensive than it used to be it's I, like I think the cheapest I've seen it is for a hundred dollars that's pretty pricey for a deck. I mean, for like a, what I would consider as a starter deck kind of thing for, yeah. you know, somebody just going out to get a deck. I I think in my shopping experiences, they tend to hover for me around 30 to $60. And when they start creeping up from there, then it becomes like a, you know, there's something significant or special about this deck compared to, you know, the accessibility or ease of purchase of the others. And that makes sense if yours is out of print. Yeah, I'm guessing when I got this one, it was probably between twenty and thirty dollars. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Is is my best guess, and it came with the book, it came with the deck, it came with a uh, like a cloth mm -hmm. that has a Celtic cross spread layout mm -hmm. on it. Nice. Um, so that's pretty cool. I still have the cloth too. Nice. I guess if I needed money, I could probably sell it. But <laughs> I'm gonna hang on to it. <laughs> what is the art like on your deck? Because I'm a very visually stimulated person. Uh, that's usually the first thing that draws me to a particular deck. And so is yours more inspired by like a, a Rider Waite style deck where you've got, um, you know, the, if it says, you know, the seven of cups, there are seven cups on that picture. Or is it more um, artistically inspired? It does have some Rider Waite. Uh, inspiration to it like when you look at the card you can you can usually tell oh that's the seven of cups right yeah um, cool. but as far as like the images go it, it's I would say it's a, probably a little more like illuminated manuscripty than Ooh. writer weight is cool or wait they're calling them Waitsmith now to give oh. credit to the the <laughs> actual artist who Fair. was a woman oh, <laughs> I didn't know that awesome. and and not and not the publisher, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. That's I I did not uh, I did not know that. So I'll make that switch. <laughs> <laughs> My writer weight deck is called writer weight though. It was before they made the switch. Fair, fair. Um, I have never owned a pure tarot deck. I only own one deck. And the and I say sort of pure tarot deck because when I think of a pure tarot deck for me, and it's not to say that the other decks that are out there are not, but I think of that very traditional, the, now I know, the Smith drawn and illustrated, like Rider Waite Smith deck. And it's yeah. a very iconic deck and it's beautifully illustrated. But to me, that's like classic tarot and I've never owned that particular deck. The deck that I do have was gifted to me, and um, it is a modern deck. It is a it is a non traditional deck, and that's you know one of the reasons I sort of wanted to talk a little bit about it is just to highlight you know 
two very different readers, two very different decks, same history kind of thing. And the deck that I have is the Ophidia Rosa deck. Uh, and it's a botanical deck and made and illustrated by, uh, I believe, Sisters. Um, Leela and Olive is the name of the company that puts them out. But uh, essentially, a... Uh, a green witch uh, decided that she'd been practicing um, tarot for a while and drawing a lot of inspiration from um, from the earth. And she had always been uh, somebody who felt really connected to like to plants and growing things and phases of the moon and getting her hands dirty and really wanted a deck that reflected that process of growing something as opposed to the hero's journey. So the traditional major minor arcana is, you know, broken more down into a hero's journey and the major arcana and the minor arcana are more the challenges along the way. And she wanted something that reflected her experience with gardening, essentially, uh, which is cool. I did not know that. I did not know that until this week when I did more reading on this particular deck. And she has a whole beautiful website that you can go to. If you go to, like, for nothing else, go to look at the photos. The photographs that she has taken and put on the site are stunning. The whole, like, the deck is beautiful, but the whole aesthetic of her website is gorgeous. Uh, Do you know, uh, sorry, do you know where she drew inspiration when from when writing the significance of her cards? From her own experiences, which is something that I oh, okay. really dig. So, so it is, you know, it like it is a uh, writer with Wait Smith deck in terms of uh, in terms of the way it can be used, I suppose. Uh, but her deck comes with its own white book, that little book that explains the cards, essentially. And hers is very poetic. It's very short. And the biggest difference in this particular deck, where it almost bridges into oracle decks instead of traditional tarot, is that um, you know she really wanted something that focused on intuition reading and following your own instinct and the prompts with that, as opposed to the seven of I'm going to go back to the seven of cups, but you know, you, you pull a card and then if it's face up, it's read this way. And if it's reversed, it's read that way. And if you're reading for love, it means this. And if you're reading for money, it means that. And she wanted something that was just a little bit more encompassing to the growth experience. So the deck is really focused on, um, growth transformation, uh, visions for your future and sort of the entire process from the so- like she puts it as from the soil to the stars and how it's all interconnected. So it's very visceral and it's very akin to gardening where it's not just all about the blooms and the pretty flowers at the end. It's about the hard work to get there and it's a deck to inspire the reader or the person you're reading for to really do the hard work. And, you know, it's about the roots that are like down deep in the soil. It's about the rocks you have to move out of the way. It's about the like periods of drought where you're just trying to like give something enough nourishment to keep going. Uh, And I didn't know any of that about the history of the deck in getting it. The imagery spoke really heavily to me. The little poetic bits in the white book um, really spoke to me. And I do intuition readings. And so it really all connected but in reading her 
her thoughts and her um, information on sort of how the deck came to be. And she's got more than one deck out now. She has she has this one. She has an Oracle deck and she has a Maiden deck as well. And it was really like it was a bit of an aha moment for me. And it was like this. And now I totally understand why I felt really connected to this deck. But also when I do readings, why I get the type of readings that I do from it. And I feel like it all like not knowing that was what the deck was intended for. That is the type of reading that I do with this deck. And I thought that that was really interesting. And I think that the intention and the purpose of the deck when they're created like that can really, you know, you can really put a lot of inspiration into it for the reader down the road. That is so cool, dude. Yeah, it was it was really cool. I, I definitely uh, want to chat a little bit about choosing decks here in a sec. Uh, would it's, it's definitely getting warm <laughs> in the studio, so take a, a short <laughs> break. But I want to talk a little bit about choosing decks and and some of the, like, myths I guess around tarot like the good card versus bad card or uh, you know a deck that doesn't speak to you anymore and some of those little things that you know you might hear from a tarot reader or a tarot collector um, from time to time but it is still summer and 90 degrees so <laughs> let's yeah. let's take a little break yeah, do a little cooling off. Yeah, do a little cool. cooling off and we'll come back and, and chat a little bit more about the cards themselves and I have a recommendation. Mm. I went on to the internet while Lindsay was discussing Italian tarot, and I saw that there is a uh, like a tarot garden in Florence, Italy. It's like oh an open air. God. It's like an open air art installation, but it's like large statue sized like imagery from tarot over the years. Wow! So that you know, like oh, super cool, like a twenty foot tall statue of the tower. And stuff like that's that. That's awesome. It looks pretty dope. It looks that pretty dope. that does sound really awesome. I can't wait to check that out. And I don't know if you live in Italy, go check that out. Nobody could travel anymore, <laughs> Walt. But maybe there's a way to like tour it virtually because I know a lot of museums and that sort of thing are doing virtual tours now. So maybe we can find a, a cool want, way to do that. I don't want a virtual tour of an open air Italian tarot. I want to be there. Well. Wear your damn masks so we can leave the country. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. All right. Ice ice water break. We'll be back in a second. Yeah, totally. See you soon, witches. All right. Welcome back. We are ice watered up and cooled off and ready to talk a little bit more about tarot. Heck yeah. Yeah. And I got to say, while we were on our little break, we looked up the tarot garden that Engineer Dan suggested. And I'm going to say, pause right now. Stop whatever you're doing, unless you're driving, and go check this shit out. Just Google Tarot Garden <laughs> Italy and look at the images. This is not, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it is not what I thought it would be. And it is one million times better. <laughs> it is so, so good. <laughs> I've never wanted to go to Italy more. <laughs> 
Highly I was recommended. shocked when I saw the image you sent me. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> Go to it. <laughs> Engineer Dan, that's like a top five suggestion. <laughs> okay. So, tarot. Now, we've told you a little bit about the history and like where the cards come and what kind of decks we have. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, this is just the prompt I needed to... Like to get my own deck. Uh, maybe you've been, I don't know, tarot intrigued for a while. Maybe you just really like the artwork, whatever your reasons. Uh, but wanted to chat a little bit about choosing a new deck. Sort of also because I feel like I personally am in a space to get a new deck. I really love the deck that I have. But one of the things when I was contemplating like getting new decks in general and advice to give to listeners or people uh, in choosing new decks was what is the purpose of your deck? And this is not something that I ever considered when I got mine because it was my first deck and I was just learning how to use it. And it was more for me at that point, but I knew all along I wanted to do readings for other people. And now at this point, a couple of years into having and using this deck for public readings and, and for reading for other people, I feel very strongly that's where that deck lives now. And it speaks through me. Like I, I can use it to tell fortunes for others, no problem. But I don't get a lot from it anymore when I try and do a reading for myself. And I think that that deck's energy has, like, its purpose has changed over time. And that's that's the deck I connect with for others. And that idea of, like, you know, you might need a deck just for yourself. So I'm ready to choose a deck just for me. And this sort of prompted me into thinking of, like, you know, in choosing a new deck, what are some of the things that maybe a first-time deck owner might be looking at? And what are some of the things I'll consider, too? I think a lot of what calls people to decks is their imagery. A hundred percent. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am totally drawn to the art. I'm the same way with comic books too. Uh, the story can be amazing, but if I don't like the way the, like if I don't like the art style or I don't connect with it in some way, I'm never going to be drawn in. And right. I think that that, and honestly, when I looked through all of the, uh, different like advice bits online, or I do have a I have a wonderful book on reading modern tarot, uh, but they all basically said the same thing, and it was sort of intertwined between the two. And the first is you need to have a personal connection with your deck, and I think you're right. I think for most people, that personal connection is going to come in the form of a connection with the visual Im imagery. Absolutely, dude. Because if you're not like, ooh, pretty, the first time you see something, then you're probably not going to be super interested in it. Right. Unless, unless you're the type of person that gets a feeling from a deck. Yes. And like maybe it doesn't immediately catch your eye because it, it, it doesn't have artwork that you're particularly interested in, but you feel like, like you're in a store and they have a bunch of tarot decks and you're feeling this pull towards one part of the store and you look down and you're like, that's the thing that's calling me. Yep. That can happen too. Uh, yeah, 100%. And I think those two things are intertwined. You need to have a personal connection with your deck, whether it is, like you said, that like gut instinct of like, uh, this just speaks to me on some visceral level, 
or you're like initially drawn by like, oh, this is really spooky or, you know, I really um, I really like bones or I'm really drawn to like there's there's a tarot deck for everything out there. Maybe you're like a huge Star Trek nerd and you're like, I want a Star Trek tarot deck or I want a cat tarot deck or I want one that's like you know, black and gold or whatever it might be. There's a deck out there for everyone. But yeah, I think that those are the the two most important and intertwined things, I think. And then... Yeah, I think so too. I think from there, the purpose really, like, that also sort of, for me, mingles in there now of, is this a deck for reading for others or a deck for reading for yourself? Because you might want or need, like, where I'm at now... I like want or need two different things for that. The deck that I use to read for others, I'm very comfortable with now and is about growth and the process and doing the work. And I feel like over the last few years for myself, I've done a lot of that work. Now I'm by no means done growing or transforming or putting in the work, but what I'm looking for from a deck right now for myself is a very different sort of spiritual guidance than than the deck that I have. So having that sort of purpose in mind as well when you're choosing a deck um, is really going to draw you, I think, to one thing or another. Absolutely. Do you have an idea as far as like what the aesthetic might be of the deck that you're looking for? I do. I have a feeling in my mind and it's a, it's very loose. I have not seen, I know I have not yet seen the deck that is mine for my current or Ooh. future reading, but I do feel like it is more, it is more dark in nature. It is probably visceral is a good word for it, but I'm, I almost feel like it's more powerful in in its imagery and maybe a little bit more blunt. Like I, if it's for me, I want it to be really direct and I want it to be a little bit more in my face. So it's not going to be cutesy and it's probably going to be a little darker in its imagery, whether that's Gothic Victorian imagery or plain black cards with a white symbol or like, I don't know yet. I haven't seen it, but I I know that's what I'm looking for, and and I think I will be attracted by the artwork, but will know it when I see it, or will feel the call or the pull to go into a store and know that deck is in there. Yeah, I think that you'll know the feeling when it hits you. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think one thing that I had never considered when I was going through and reading as well, uh, but is something that I will think about in the future in choosing a deck for myself, because this isn't something that everybody in buying a deck for me would know, is I have very small hands. I have little sausage fingers. I have like child-sized hands. If I buy a (laughs) pair of leather gloves, sometimes small is too big. (laughs) So I I have very small hands and I don't have a big wingspan, essentially. Like my... My thumb to pinky ratio, like I, I can't, my, I'm not a piano player. So, <laughs> so the size, the physical size of the cards matter to me. And some tarot get very large. And I hadn't considered that until I was looking at some decks online today. And I was like, that looks abnormally large. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, shit, 
I couldn't shuffle that. Like, it would have to change the entire way I shuffle the cards if I can't physically hold them in my hand. Uh, and, like, I do sort of a, what I call a granny shuffle. Uh, I don't, I don't uh, do the poker flip, flip, flip shuffle. I you know, shuffle them in, like, in my palm kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if I can't physically hold the card, I'm not going to be able to shuffle them. <laughs> so size matters in this case. <laughs> do you think if you did have a smaller deck, you would do the poker shuffle? No, uh, not no. for me. I don't mind for my personal deck. Uh, and I think this is a great opportunity to say every single tarot reader is going to have a different connection and a do and don't for their deck. So when I use my deck to read with someone else, uh, I don't mind if that's how they shuffle the deck. I don't do it like that because one, I'm not very good at it. And two, it for me to do it feels somehow disrespectful to the cards. I don't like that. It's too, for me, it's too even of a distribution. It's one card, one card, one okay. card, one card. And, and I feel like sometimes there's chunks of cards that are meant to stay together and it's more... I'm letting more of the energy of the cards flow through my hands and it sort of naturally shuffles the way it wants to shuffle itself as opposed to forcefully shuffling it. I feel like the poker shuffle is forceful. That makes sense. Um, and I, I actually agree with that. I Most cards I will shuffle, shuffle with a poker shuffle, but with my tarot cards, I, I also do the granny shuffle. Yeah. Mostly because I like don't want to bend the cards or anything, but also it does, it feels disrespectful to me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, and like again, you know, every single tarot reader is going to have a different set of rules for their cards, and so if you sit down at my table and I tell you to shuffle the cards any way you like, and that's how you shuffle them, I'm not mad. Like that's fine. They're in, <laughs> when they're in somebody else's hands because I've given them permission to touch those cards, then then they can do with them as they choose. Fair, totally fair. I do, however, when I'm picking cards, I like a heavy card and I like a glossy card and I like a gold edge. I'm a sucker for it. <laughs> Even in old books, I like that like Bible gold leaf edge. Like I'm a sucker for like an edged card. Maybe they're edged in black. Maybe they're all edged in white or red or whatever. Like, but an edged card and heavy card stock. Like I want it to feel expensive, even if it's not. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I hear that. And that's important. Like choosing like the quality of the card, like you want it to feel good in your hand because this is something you're going to develop an intimate connection with over time. And if every time you shuffle it, you don't like the way the paper feels, maybe you don't like glossy, maybe you like a satin finish or a matte finish or whatever. Um, but if you don't like the way the paper feels in your hand, you're never going to get that connection. It's always going to be that like, like that scratchy hair in the back of your throat. Yeah, totally, dude. And then I think the, for me, uh, the last thing in choosing uh, a deck for myself uh, is, it is the fact that I am now open to choosing a deck for myself. And I know, Lindsay, you and I were talking about this earlier. So I don't remember where I got this notion that you are not supposed to choose your own tarot deck, that tarot was supposed to be gifted to the user preferably by another user or believer or witch or something like that but I had always like I don't know just some somewhere I read this or was told this or and I really connected to that in a way and I get it as a new tarot reader I really wanted 
somebody, and they did, uh, to see a deck, think of me, and I want, like, I was too shy, I think, at that point in my practice to feel confident in this is something that I connect with and this is something I can do and I'm not a, like, I'm not a poser and I'm not, like, you know, I'm learning and I needed somebody to give me that guidance to, to help break me out of that shell and be like, here, you're going to like this. This called to me for you. And I felt really honored by that. And that was really important for me. But I think I took that too far. <laughs> it was like, you can only have tarot that are given to you by somebody else. And... <laughs> And I have changed my mind. I am, I am not too proud to admit that. I, I, I think I was wrong in that, and I've changed my mind. I've also grown a lot personally um, in my own practice with them, so maybe that has a lot to do with it now, but I would never think less of somebody who chooses their own deck or goes, like you said, goes to a, like a Barnes & Noble or whatever, because you can buy a tarot deck almost anywhere now. Order one off of Amazon, whatever. If you feel a connection to that deck, then go for it, do it, try it, have fun with it. Have 17 different decks, all with different fun cat and unicorn images. It doesn't make them any less of a tarot deck. It doesn't make your connection or your reading with them any less valid. But I think that that's really... Somewhere along the line, I wasn't the only person who had that thought because it came up a lot on like other like websites and like 10 things to think about when you pick your deck or whatever. And yeah, it was really popular of the last thing was always you can buy your own deck. <laughs> Maybe they're just that's trying to so sell you funny. a deck. but <laughs> I mean, that's something that I've never heard. And granted, I, I like I'm not really into tarot anymore. I used to be. But I would still like read about it and stuff. And yeah, not anything that I had ever heard. And I always found it so like cute and quirky whenever you would say it. <laughs> <laughs> but for myself, like I feel like I could never rely on somebody to gift me something that was part of my practice. One, because I wasn't the one who had the initial connection with it. And two, because if I relied on people to gift me anything that was part that I needed as part of my practice that I didn't yet have, then I, I feel like that would hinder my practice and my growth. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's really, that's really cool. And that makes a lot of sense. And I think, I think it, you know, it does speak for me personally to where I am in my own personal tarot growth, I guess, or, or fortune telling growth um, in that, I really wanted someone to take me by the hand and show me the ropes and lead me through it at first. And mm -hmm. I feel much more confident now in, in my abilities. And through that confidence, I now feel like I could select my own path forward from here. And I think that that's, you know, that's going to be different for everyone, but. Yeah, if you're curious, even if you just like the artwork, like whatever, <laughs> if you're curious about getting a tarot deck and you want to like mess around with it, I say go for it and find find one that fits in your hand, that feels good to you, that you're drawn to, that you like the pictures of. Pick one up. There's all different price ranges. Absolutely. All right. We're winding down here, but I got it. <laughs> I would be so remiss if I didn't share... Just one more tarot thing. This is a personal tarot pet peeve. 
I don't know, Lindsay, if you've got a tarot pet peeve, but I've got one that like sticks in my cranny every time I hear it. I don't really have one now. All right. So you're doing a spread. You lay a card down or somebody flips a card over and all of a sudden they get this look of pure dread on their face. And they're like, oh, no, <laughs> I've pulled the death card, the devil card or the tower. And immediately they say, I got a bad card. Every single time that happens, I want to strangle someone. <laughs> it drives me crazy. <laughs> it and I get it. I get it. They're like they're usually scary images. It's one of the reason I like my my botanical deck because the Ophidia deck doesn't have a lot of scary images. Uh, but you know, you've got the traditional like the like Waitsmith deck of the traditional tower with the lightning or the devil with all the crazy chains or I can't remember what the death card looks like for them. But but yeah, it's it is it's scary imagery and people have negative connotations with those cards. And I'd like to say out there, if you're listening and you're going to get your cards read at some point or you have this thought of like these are bad cards or this is the worst card in the deck, they're not bad cards. There's no such thing as a good card or a bad card because it is part of a story. And the purpose of using tarot is a complete story. It's not one single card. It's it's talking about where you are in a certain place and all like the hero's journey and like anything else, these cards represent change or transformation or the letting go of something or a pivotal pinnacle that's going to happen in your life that's coming up and that's just growth that's that's not a bad thing it may be painful in the moment it may be painful coming up it may be painful to reflect on it may be uncomfortable it may be scary all of those things but no card is inherently bad no card is inherently good even the good cards can mean like you know stepping out of your shell and trying something you've never tried before or really trusting your instincts to like to earn that happiness or whatever it might be but yeah, that really every single time I hear, oh, it's a bad card or I got the worst card in the deck. And I, I you know what? I, to be fair, I will joke from time to time. If I pull the tower tower card, I'll be like, oh, of course, you've come back kind of thing. But <laughs> but it just means that there's a change. There's something that's out of balance. There's something that's not right. There's something that needs to be overcome that you're letting go of. Whatever. Change is scary. Change is not bad. So so I slap you on the wrist. Those that say bad cards. I say, bad person. <laughs> There's no such thing as a bad card. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I think that's a really important note to touch on. Well I, done. <laughs> we've we've gotten over my tarot nerves. I really wanted to, you know, do this justice. I think we've done that. All came about with a rich duke <laughs> we'll always think about that now <laughs> uh, old duke poo <laughs> but i'm sure we will come back and visit this again in the future because i'm sure if you're interested in tarot you're like but you didn't talk about any of the actual cards or the types of readings or what is the difference between this deck and that deck so we'll come back and i'm sure we'll talk about tarot again in the future but for now i hope you enjoyed our our little intro to Tarot, Tarot 101. Yeah. I sure did. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> till next week. No pervs. No Nazis. 
totally. Pando! Ow! Pando? Pando! 